Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos, and today's episode is presented by BetOnline.ag. And look, our partners at BetOnline, they continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's Stanley Cup Finals, Major League Baseball on the daily, latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. So what are you waiting for? Head to the website, use your mobile device to sign up today. You will receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get that bonus and get into the action bet online where the game starts ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for coming into the pod i am so excited to have this guest on here we are we're crossing wires now typically we are the point guard on our respective pods but you know what? we're gonna get some shots up today his name is mark bergen he is the host of believe in Steelers, and he is also the senior multi-platform director i almost got it right i ran out there's too many words in his title because he's an important man he also writes for wral.com it's mark bergen hello mark joey that's a heck of an introduction thank you for having me on but yeah my formal title and my day job it is a mouthful but thank you so much for having me his business card folks are 10 by 17 just to fit (laughs) all the words (laughs) under the title he unfolds it and then hands it out yeah, um, and I'm with s- senior, they got to put some. I got to get some gray hair on the side of my head just to earn the senior in my title. But yeah, you haven't. Let's seen continue. Any, you haven't seen too many rough news days, there, son. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. I wanted to get you on, man, because I'm a big admirer of your work and your content. You work so hard, and obviously we've crossed paths and we talk and we're friends, but we don't get a chance to just kind of cut it up, just the two of us. Uh, we both have Steelers ties and Bears ties in our families and how we grew up and just our background. So we're going to start with a little bit of NFL and then work our way down to a couple other sports that are going around. I want to start first with, for my general audience that may not be aware because we just do a lot of Chicago sports, I have to commend you. It was about a month ago, maybe more than that, when you and your host, Ike Taylor, the wonderful Ike Taylor on the Believe Sports Network, Hosted Mike Tomlin on your podcast. Let's just say my family, I have a lot of in-laws that are Pittsburgh Steelers fans. They went nuts. We listened to every word, every single second. Mike Tomlin is amazing. We all get the opportunity to have an audience with him and hear what he has to say. But you got an opportunity to be in that circle of that conversation. Can you just talk a little bit about what that was like for you? And what, on a scale of one to surreal, you know, how did that whole process work out? Because it's a fantastic interview, man. Congrats. Appreciate that. In all honesty, Joey, too, it was just an honor to play an even small role uh, in the whole conversation and the process to get him on. There were a lot of people involved that deserve a ton of credit. So to get the opportunity to just be in the room with him on a Zoom call was a tremendous honor. And in my career, Joey, I'd say I'd probably it's, it's a top three interview that I've gotten to participate in. And so just to play a small role in that was a tremendous honor. And you can see why his players want to run through a brick wall for him because he's got the gift of gab, no doubt, but it's very genuine and it's very real. And he's a molder of men. It's not just a football coach. And I say the gift of gab, a lot of times you think, ah, well, you know, a used car salesman could have the gift of gab. And it's like, well, this is the reason why in 15 seasons coaching, he does not have a losing season. And so, you know, he told us a lot about, you know, past, present, future, the Steelers and everything too. And he'll continue to be employed by the Steelers for as long as he wants to be. I go back to a few seasons ago when 
he's talking on the field and he's mic'd up with uh, Chase Young from the Washington football team. And he just looks at him and he goes, I'm never up high enough in the draft to draft a guy who looks like you. And it just leads me to believe the Steelers never bottom out to where they can get that top blue chip elite talent in the draft. In a certain sense, Tomlin's a victim of his own success because Steelers have not had the playoff success for the last several years. But I go back to another conversation from another guest we had on the Believe in Steelers show, Joey, and that's a guy by the name of John McClain. He's covered the NFL for the Houston Chronicle for 45 years. And we were talking before the show, and John tells me, he says, look, if Mike Tomlin and the Steelers ever didn't work out, he would have a job as a head coach by one of the only one of the other 31 franchises in the league by sundown on the same day. Real quick, it'd be like an action movie where they'd all get in the car and race to his house in Squirrel Hill, right? To get be at the front <laughs> yeah. door. Look, I, you yeah. know, I've had that conversation with uh, my family members, you know, three or four years ago, especially when, you know, things get a little frustrating towards the end of Ben's career where maybe you don't have the same player that you have, but you want the same success. And sometimes, I mean, I'm sure you hear it. There are Steelers fans out there that are very fairly able to criticize the team and the coach, but there are some that always ask the question, should we move on from Mike Tomlin? And I just shake my head. I mean, Mark, if we had that type of coach in Chicago, what a culture changer, what a complete change. And maybe my, my addition to it is what I was struck by is I also watched uh, The Pivot recently. Ryan mm -hmm. Clark had Mike Tomlin on, and Fred Taylor was on there too as well. Also a really, really interesting uh, interview it is just so cool that Mike Tomlin, you said the gift to Gavin, is he serious or not? My The sincerity, I think, comes through in the fact that when he sees guys like Ike and he sees guys like Ryan Clark pursuing their careers and having that success or trying to you know help their families eat, as Mike Tomlin would say, Mike Tomlin says, you know what? I'm here to help you. I'll jump on your show. I'll jump on your show and talk to you because I know you and I respect you. And I think that that speaks a lot, especially in the business that we work into as well. Let me piggyback off that too, because here's what I envision is going to happen. This upcoming season, you've got Thursday night football. And if the game is not in market, how are you going to be able to watch Amazon prime? If you didn't know that, you know that now when they bring in Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit, when Fox decides because they're losing Joe Buck and Troy Aikman to spend the money that they did on Tom Brady, what's going to end up happening is this Joey. Mm the streaming networks are going to get involved. And I'm talking about the Amazons of the world, Netflix, Facebook, Google, probably missing one or two. You get the idea. They have infinitely more money to spend if they choose to get into the game of sports broadcast rights than the TV networks do. So when you see on Thursday Night Football, all of the money that Amazon offered Rams head coach Sean McVay who still has a long career as a head coach if he wants to. He just won a Super Bowl. But I think about it from Tomlin's standpoint, now that he's past the age of 50, to where it's just like, you know, how much longer does he want to do this? And he loves what he does. And I don't think this is going to happen in the short term. But long term, 5, 10, 15 years from now, when the streaming networks get into the game, and that's going to be the only way you can watch football, and they can throw money around to get the top elite broadcast talent and analysts Mike Tomlin has to be on that list because the feedback we had from him being on our show, the feedback that I've seen from when he was on Ryan Clark's show, he also went on Rich Eisen. He doesn't do many media interviews, but when he does, he's transcendent. He shines. <laughs> and again, to be a small part of that, again, it was just a tremendous, tremendous honor. My point being, 
if he wants to, he can coach the Steelers for as long as he wants to, as long as he continues to have success. And again, 15 seasons in, he doesn't have a losing season. How many other head coaches and franchises would love to say that? But if and when he decides, you know what, I've done everything that I need to do as a head coach at this point professionally, he's going to go to Canton. There's no doubt about that. But there's a place for him as an announcer, as an analyst in the broadcast booth, if he so chooses. And that place for him might be $500 million. And that sounds like a dummy number that I'm throwing out there. But if you're mentioning five, eight, ten years from now, that number might seem more realistic for some of the top analysts. You know, you're seeing what kind of money Tom Brady's getting. Just imagine maybe what people will try and do to acquire Mike Tomlin to have them on their thing. I can already see it now, Mark. Um, I'm uh, I'm uh, Guy X sitting next to Mike Tomlin. You know, Mike, you coached the Steelers <laughs> for 15 years. They never had a losing season. You know, if the Dolphins don't come back in the second half, you know, they're looking at right, being three games under 500. What do they got to do? You know what I mean? Like, he just does. I don't know. You know, football is a game. Joey, don't, li- don't wish your – listen, don't wish your life away, Joey. <laughs> it's good. It's going to happen. Um, I also want to talk about just really quick. This one very, very quickly because it happened yesterday. Larry Ogunjobi is mm-hmm. now a Pittsburgh Steeler. Uh, the Chicago Bears may know him very briefly from his small performance in the beginning of free agency uh, when he was our crown jewel. I mean, I think we were going to give him over $30 million guaranteed. The long short of it is the deal fell apart because he failed his physical. I think that there was some going back and forth between whether Ogunjobi revealed all the maybe medicals that he needed to or the question is did the new regime of the chicago bears do the due diligence that they needed but now he's on the pittsburgh steelers you stole him away from the Bengals. this has to be a great addition for for pittsburgh right yeah i love it because we don't know what that figure is yet at least the last i checked but it's going to be a sweetheart deal considering what chicago was going to offer and money that he earned Mm -hmm. wreaking havoc along the defensive front for both the Bengals and the browns because he's this is now his third afc north team he's played for we'll see if he can complete the full loop and end his career perhaps with the Baltimore Ravens but with Joby, it helps because the Steelers need to fill the void left by Stefan to it a guy who the Steelers desperately missed last season where it's a weird dichotomy with the Steelers group they lead the league in sacks but they ranked dead last in rushing yards allowed and really it's the front seven the interior of the line so Joby can help fill that void but Hey, I'm glad to see that he's in a Steelers uniform because Steelers desperately needed him, but Chicago also kind of needed to fill the void left by Akeem Hicks, someone I think that Bears fans are going to really miss this upcoming season, someone who I didn't think it got quite enough credit, but also a player in Hicks that struggled to stay on the field due to injury as well. So we'll see what happens. I'm very happy to see that he's in a Steelers uniform because it was a void that the Steelers needed to fill given the retirement of Stefan to it huge gain for the Steelers. In my opinion, all of a sudden now he's on a one year prove it and he gets to play the Bengals twice. I mean, this is <laughs> get some revenge great news. This is great news. And well, um, well, hang on. Let me interrupt you. It's great news for everyone minus Mason Rudolph. And the reason why I mentioned this with Mason Rudolph is this Ogan Joby was involved in that brawl on Thursday night football back in the 2019 season was suspended uh, for a game. Rudolph hasn't had a great offseason considering that you bring in Mitch Trubisky, you also draft Kenny Pickett. So now you got a quarterback battle in Pittsburgh. But like, man, how many lumps can Mason Rudolph take this offseason considering that you now have the guy who is involved in the brawl that nearly got you killed two years ago? 
I uh, I do a lot of guest spots on uh, Behind the Steel Curtain. I know Brian and all those guys, and I like them a whole lot. So I came on once, and my old school nickname for Landry Jones was the bartender, because he just kind of looked like a guy that would give you an IPA on like a Saturday afternoon. And I just pictured this image of Mason Rudolph walks into a bar and just settles up into a dark bar in the afternoon, and who turns around with the bartender and he goes, "Having a tough day?" And he goes, "Yeah, slide one over." Because I'm with you, Mason Rudolph's days might be numbered. And on top well, of that, too, the, the Bears' defensive line is brutal. We'll see with Rudolph. I think he has, I think he has a role in this league as a backup. He can come in and manage a game or two, but to expect him to be the starter from what we've seen at this point, not going to throw him under the bus. But he just hasn't proven it that he could be the guy. To me, it would be most shocking if Week One of the 2022 season between Trubisky, who you bring in. 7 million per year with incentives for the next two. And then you spend a first round draft pick on picket. If Rudolph was the guy week one of the 2022 season, I would be shocked. In my opinion, it'll be a two man race. We'll see what happens though. Perfect transition. Cause I want to ask you, you know, look, it's a couple weeks before the 4th of July. So it's just two guys on a porch drinking cocktails, talking about what can be, we haven't seen any of the mini camps yet, but as it stands right now, in your opinion, and I maybe just speak larger for the Steelers fan base opinion, who do you think it is going to be under center week one, Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett? I think it'll be Trubisky, just considering what you brought him in on, and then you can bring Pickett along once he's ready. The like best-case scenario of this would be how the Chiefs brought along Patrick Mahomes, and then when he was ready, he took over for Alex Smith, who, by the way, was a Pro Bowl quarterback for the Chiefs and brought them to the playoffs. Now, were you going to win a Super Bowl with Alex Smith? No. Are you going to win a Super Bowl with Mitch Trubisky? Probably not. But the hope would be is that he can rekindle what we saw in year two in the 2018 season when he was a Pro Bowl quarterback. He was a quarterback who should have won a playoff game, if not for Cody Parkey's double doink against the Eagles. And a quarterback who, at his best, put up like six touchdowns against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers during that season, too. So, you hope he can get that back together in the Steelers offense. They've got a lot of great young talent. They're all like 25 and under Deontay Johnson, the pro bowl receiver entering a contract season is the elder statesman at the age of 25. Everyone else is younger than that. So you get Najee Harris, the beast in the backfield. If the line can continue to gel, you can utilize Trubisky's athleticism too. It's something where then big Ben has been a statue back there the last few seasons it's going to be a Hall of Famer, but he didn't have that mobility that he had earlier in his career. And that's understandable when you spend 18 seasons as a quarterback in this league. But with Trubisky and offensive coordinator Matt Canada, something I want to see is use his legs, run bootlegs, run RPOs, run read option plays. Because in Chicago, it's something that I did not see the Bears utilize nearly enough with Trubisky to where, yeah, he did struggle to get through his progressions, but utilize his athleticism, which in my opinion, is something that is a benefit that he brings to the table. And it's something that the Steelers have not had at the quarterback position the last few years. So like that's the glass half full perspective. And listen, I've seen a lot of Mitch. I hope he can maybe learned a thing or two in Buffalo too, backing up Josh Allen this past season. Um, I'm going to read you something that I sent to someone else in the uh, Steelers industry. And I'm just going to read these off to you and I want you to react and you tell me, uh, maybe if I'm missing any, or maybe if you want to counter a couple of them, I wrote to him. Um, so these are my goalposts for Mitch Trubisky. This is basically my open letter to Steelers fans. 
about a few goalposts that they need to monitor about Mitch, okay? Mm-hmm. So the first one is um, don't get overhyped if he balls out in September. Keep an okay. even keel. Keep an even keel about it. Yeah. Number two, uh, do not be fooled when he toasts bad teams. Number three, can he limit the stinker games to two instead of four? And then the final one, and I think this is one that is the most unanswerable because we could probably say this about a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL. Is he a 17-game starting quarterback, right? I mean, I think Mm. Mitch – I'm in agreement with you. I think Mitch can get off to a fantastic start in the month of September using his legs, cutting the field in half, rolling out, getting some confidence, feeling good. The biggest thing with Mitch has always been games 8, 10, 12 – and that consistency that you need to see, that kind of progression. Now, look, is that going to be Kenny Pickett's time by the time that happens? Uh, that's yet to be seen. But those are some of the things I'm trying to caution Steelers fans with, especially about maybe getting too overexcited about Mitch. Because I'm with you, man. He can do good things. You know, he can play well, and he can beat a certain amount of teams. Um, it's just that consistency and that long, that long sample size is probably what scares me the most. Joey, I'll send you my address. Mail me that recipe when we're done on the recording tonight. So in all honesty, though, with with Mitch, and I know a lot of Steelers fans want to see Pickett week one of the 2022 season, and it's easier said than done doing this, but Ben sat, and he didn't start until he got injured. Uh, Aaron Rodgers sat behind far for years. Mahomes sat behind Alex Smith. Like, I'd give you several other examples to where – you can learn the ropes and come along as you need to versus throwing a guy out there before he's ready, ruining his confidence and forming bad habits. And like, that's just something I don't want to see. So with Pickett, like now, if he's ready to start week one, let's ride, let's go with Kenny Pickett. But I'll say this, whichever quarterback ends up winning this battle will have earned it. In all honesty too, like, we went into the offseason as Steelers fans thinking that we have Mason Rudolph on our roster and no one else. In retrospect, what a blessing it is to get Trubisky on a contract that's favorable to the team, to have Pickett fall to number 20. No one anticipated that that would happen. And again, I, let's go back to something we said about Mike Tomlin for why that's important in drafting Pickett. Next offseason in the 2023 draft, whether it's C.J. Stroud, uh, uh, Bryce Young out of Alabama, whoever the top quarterback's going to be. The Steelers don't bottom out enough to have a top five pick to be able to bring in a blue chip quarterback for, okay, who is the heir apparent to Ben Roethlisberger? They're never in a position to do that, and they would have to trade up for said quarterback. That's why when Pickett, who's there, who's been in their backyard, and oh, by the way, has experience playing in Heinz Field throughout his college career at Pittsburgh, and he's there at number 20. It was a no-brainer as a pick. Forming bad habits. Hmm, how should we transition? Let's talk about Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears, shall we? Um, I'll just kind of give you maybe a little bit of the pulse about uh, you know where Bears fans are coming from right now as we're sitting in the summer. I think, you know, unfortunately, the argument uh, around the bar is probably more of how bad are the Bears going to be as opposed to how many games or, or wins they might be able to squeeze out next season with a roster that I don't think we both can agree is really going to scare anybody um, from the outside looking in. And I know you still pay attention to the bears a lot. You know, how oh, yeah. are you kind of looking at this season for them 
And you know what's you know what's your doomsday what's your doomsday shade right now? Do you think they're going to be one of the, the bottom five teams in the NFL, or do you think they might be able to surprise some people, win six, seven, eight games, and you know really try and reload for the season after that in twenty twenty three? I saw that the over under for the Bears was six and a half, so I went game by game. I've got the Bears at seven and ten, but yeah. one metric I want to see put to bed because the Bears have been looking for a quarterback since Sid Luckman decades ago. Let's get a 4,000-yard passer for once, please. (laughs) Eric Kramer at 3,800 yards, 1995. I love you. I love that stat. Let's put this to bed. Last franchise in the league that has not had a 4,000-yard passer. Let's get Justin Fields. It's hard. It's hard to do. (laughs) Listen. You go to McDonald's and you get a kid's meal, right? You get a four-piece. Let's get Justin Fields a four-piece in the 2022 season. Come on. Come what on. About, what about 4,000 all-purpose? Does that, does that get oh, you going a little bit? <laughs> well, I like to see Fields run around, but we know this too. In the playoffs, you've got to be able to make passes downfield. You can use your legs to extend plays, but – I love Lamar Jackson, former league MVP. He's a video game quarterback. He's awesome to watch. He's a great guy, but he hasn't had the success in the playoffs. One and three, the touchdown interception ratio isn't there in a four-game sample size in the playoffs. You've got to be able to make the passes downfield. We've seen flashes of it with fields. I mean, heck, you want to we're talking about Pittsburgh and the Bears, that Monday night football game where you saw flashes of what Justin Fields could be. Listen, again, that 4,000-yard marker, that's like one of the measures of success with the Bears that I have this season is can he at least eclipse that marker, get close to it this upcoming season? And maybe I'm holding out against hope. Like, one question I have for you, Joey. Like, do we know if Justin Fields is good or are we just, like, hoping that he's good? We don't know. We honestly honestly don't know. He looks the part. Like, if we were a casting office right now, he looks the part – um, so some of his clips on his reel, you know what I mean, on his highlight reel, look pretty, pretty tantalizing. There's a lot of potential there, but look, you know, the 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 footwork was a mess. My biggest thing with him coming out of Ohio State before the Bears even drafted him, of course, I've wrapped my arms around him since then, is that his motion is long. He's got a long load up on his release, and I always just thought that was something that that can give you problems in the NFL, and. I don't think the Bears did him any favors last year, right? He came in and got his head kicked in multiple times. What I will say, though, and something that me and Corey Wooten would talk about on Believe in Bears was, look, the season last year was really bad, but we've seen other quarterbacks come and go that get their heads kicked in and never get up off the mat. We have seen Justin Fields, you know, after that Browns game, some might say that ruins someone's career before it even gets started, but he comes Mm -hmm. back. He plays well in the Lions game. He played well in the 49ers game. He played well in the Steelers game. The Bears should have fired Nagy at around Thanksgiving. They didn't do that. They stuck him around, and then Fields kind of got hurt. The whole season sort of limped towards a an un, unappealing finish, if you will. But I'm with you, man. Look, he's at the point where I think all quarterbacks are, and unfortunately, I think the part that Mitch Trubisky is still at of can you read that second or third progression? You know, Can you manipulate a defense? Can you actually read a blitz? You know what I mean? Can you thread the needle when you need to? Can you throw back shoulder on a third and eight to the one spot where you think the only place where the ball can go? A lot of that has been unproven with Justin Fields, and I'm not saying he needs to check every single box, but I don't think it's 
this scenario where we should just start, you know, lining up season tickets and thinking that we'll be in the Super Bowl in two or three years. I think he's got a lot to prove. I'll throw it back at you. What do you think about what they've done with their supporting cast in terms of the wide receiver room? You know, you see Equinemius St. Brown. You see Byron Pringle. You see Dante Pettis. Um, you know, Valus Jones. Look, I like him as a prospect, but we'll see. How does that does that how does that help him mark in your opinion does that help him at all or could that even maybe further muddy the waters of this conversation that we're having of whether justin fields is actually good or not if we're drafting in madden you're not taking byron pringle over alan robinson (laughs) come on like we're not and everyone's saying well alan robinson had a down 2021 season i've got the targets up right now last three years 2019 and 2020, he was targeted more than 150 times. And the Bears, in a contract season, decide he's not going to be a part of our game plan because we don't want to pay him when his contract is up. Mitch is still in the league. Targets. That's why, yeah, I know. That's why Mitch is still in the league is because of A-Rob. Let's be real. And then 66 targets last year, and we are asking ourselves questions of, you know, you know, why is Justin Fields not any good? On top of that, too, Mark, you know, Justin Fields right now, career is two and eight. He's two and eight right now as a career starter. And all signs are pointing towards the Bears maybe not being very good. Maybe their front office wishing that they get a top five pick and rolling it back into 2023. But what does the optics look like to you if we roll into next year and Justin Fields is six and twenty-two in his career, in his third year in the league where it's gonna take him three years just to get back to five hundred? How does that look for a quarterback? Not great. It's been rinse and repeat. So what's the common denominator when you recycle quarterbacks, head coaches, offensive coordinators, and general managers? It goes to the top. And it goes to when the chairman, George McCaskey, meets with the media. And he only meets with media members like once a year. And he's going there and saying, I am not a football guy. Your family was a founding family in the NFL. And you are the chairman of one of 32 teams in the NFL. I don't know if he's saying this on our own or if he's being advised this by his public relations staff. That sentence should never come out of his sent his mouth ever again. And it is a slap in the face to Bears fans all over the world. When I hear him say something like that, it honestly enrages me. And when I see him at the start of his last news conference that he had, compare the death of Jeff Dickerson and his son and compare that to people chanting fire Nagy at Matt Nagy's high school games. The two things don't go together at all. And the optics look absolutely horrible. So what's the common denominator? It's George McCaskey as the chairman and it's Ted Phillips. The reason why Ted Phillips has been around, say what you want about his football abilities, but Ted Phillips has made the bears a ton of money. And all you need to do is go look at the Forbes valuations year over year over year over year. They're worth billions now. And if they open up this new stadium outside of the city of Chicago, they're going to be worth even more. Ultimately, I think that could be a good thing with the Bears to make it a destination and continue to, you know, you've got a new fancy new stadium, which I think could be good in luring top free agent players, but also to creating a what new about luring? Culture. What about luring a new owner, Mark? You know what I mean? If you listen, if you were the McCaskey family, though, you're not going to give up the cash cow that that are the Bears. And if we're dumb enough to keep showing up to the games and keep supporting the team, at certain point you have to take a look in the mirror and say, "How do I want to? How do I want to spend my hard-earned dollar?" And it's like, since I've started covering the Steelers in 2019, and it's not to say that the Steelers are 
the best organization in the league, but it, the difference is between the difference is this one franchise is playing chess and another is playing chess checkers in terms of how they operate, Joey. I'm, I'm serious about this. I know, and, it's, and I, I agree with you. And, and that's the problem with George is that you just, you brought up a wonderful example that it kind of crystallizes his whole, his whole vibe. And maybe what's wrong, right? Is, you know, he has this, this motion where he has this, uh, this good intention, right? And then he conflates it with something terrible. He's like a guy who's like, says, sit down, I'm going to make you a grilled cheese sandwich. Oh, that's nice of you. You're going to make me some lunch. And it comes out and it's this this black brick, you know what I mean? Because he burns it all. And just to throw it on top and then hop back in, you know, you mentioned that part about him being, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a football evaluator. I'm just a fan. That was in reference to Justin Fields and his standing in the organization and the perhaps future that he could or could not have with our team. That was his answer to that, Mark. I know. And, and, he, and like that has to be that has to be your reaction is laughing, right? Yes. Like yes. and and it's like that sentence should never ever come out of his mouth ever again. And like I don't again, is it his PR? Is it just him going off the off the cuff on his own? That if if you are the chairman of one of 32 teams in the league, listen, I can understand if he's not the X's and O's guys, that's not his role to be, but to say. Oh, in terms of the football evaluation, I'm going to leave that and defer to the others. Take some accountability, take some responsibility, have some pride. And it's like with the bears in the quarterback position, it's something that's gone on for our entire lives, Joey. So it's just like, for me, it's just like focus on the things that you are good at. And I know that bear weather is something that bears fans always bring up, but how have you been good in the past? Excellent running backs, good running play, dominating the line of scrimmage and having a stout defense. So it's like, if you're not going to get it right and history shown you that, maybe focus on cultivating and developing those other areas to where you've demonstrated of what you can do. But again, you know, yeah, I want to be excited for Matt Eberflus. I want to be excited for the new general manager, but I've seen this narrative and I've seen this story in my life before. And that's no knock on those individual guys that are in their new roles. I hope they kill it for the Bears. I hope they lead them to a Super Bowl title that we've been craving since the 85 season. But how much longer do we have to keep hearkening on the past of the 85 Bears who should have won more than one Super Bowl than they did when I look at other franchises like the Steelers to where if they're not winning the Super Bowl title, the season was a failure. And that should be the standard of excellence that you hold yourself to. But with the Chicago Bears... It's something that we'll never see. And, and again, you mentioned new ownership. What's going to be the pressure and the incentive on bringing in new ownership because the cash cow that is the Chicago Bears? Look at the Forbes valuations because they keep printing money year after year after year after year. I remember growing up and in the early 90s, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were a joke. And they've won two Super Bowls uh, in that span. And the Chicago mm -hmm. Bears have won zero. And yeah, you brought up such a great point about Soldier Field. It's like, all right, Mark, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make the grass as shitty as possible. And then we're going to pray it snows. That's how we're going to win, Mark. That's what we're going to do. That's well, the city operates. Then, the city well, operates is the grounds crew for Soldier Field, that you I know. know but. The jurisdiction, yeah. And then the other one finally is, um, is, is it any more cinematic or poetic or whatever word you'd like to throw in there that during this entire time, the Green Bay Packers have had Hall of Fame quarterback play for the last 30 years. Mm -hmm. Unin uninterrupted. Not even like a season off here or there, or whatever. Just mm -hmm. complete the complete opposite on the other side. 
Oh, it's pretty unbelievable. You got me fired up before 4th of July. We're going to move on. I want to play a little lightning round with you before we get out of here real quick. Uh, let's just have some fun, some news and notes that are going around uh, the sporting world right now. I want to get your take on it. Um, the first one is uh, the NBA Finals have just come to a conclusion. Golden State Warriors, four world championships now, four, six finals, uh, I believe in the last eight years. Very impressive. So people are having that conversation now. In your opinion, is Steph Curry a top 10 all-time player in NBA history. Okay. We're talking basketball, right? He's the greatest shooter of all time. What's the name of the sport? Basketball, putting the ball in the hoop. If he's the greatest shooter ever, how could he not be in the top 10? So yeah, I've got Steph at number nine. I'll give you my rankings really quickly. MJ. Yeah, I want to see where he is with Kobe. Yeah. MJ at the top, LeBron number two. I've got Bill Russell at number three. And you might say different eras. I understand all that. Remember Bill Russell is final two championships. He went 11, by the way. He was both a player and a coach for the Celtics, something your viewers might not know about, Joey. Kareem, I have at number four, who's still the leading scorer in league history, despite the fact that he made one three-pointer in his career. The the epitome of a durable player is Kareem. Uh, I've got Tim Duncan at number five, not a sexy pick, but if Tim Duncan's on your team, you're winning 50 games, you're going to the playoffs, and you have a decent supporting cast, you might win a... Finals. Real quick, still winning titles at the very tail end when he was a role player, too, which I yeah. think is one of the cooler things that we don't really see within an ego-driven world like sports. Great teammate as well. Magic and Larry. I've got Kobe at number eight, and the reason I have Kobe over Steph is this. Don't get me wrong. I mean, both changed the game, but the ferocity that Bryant played with, and specifically his ability to shut down an opposing offensive player as a two-way player, like Steph's awesome, but Steph at his peak defensively, I don't think is anywhere near where Kobe Bryant was as a defensive player. So yeah, the shooting ability that Steph brings to where even if he's given up two on the other end, he's going to get it back with a deep three, but Kobe could do it all. And again, I, I think we vastly underrate the defensive ability of Kobe Bryant. If you're to compare the two and with Steph, it's like, I think he's an improved defensive player, to, but to be on that level of Kobe, I don't think he's there. And then at number 10, I mean, like Jerry West, Oscar, Akeem, Shaq, um, but that's kind of the rankings that I had uh, for my top 10. So, yes, I think Steph is a top 10 player now, winning his fourth trophy and a second without Durant, too. So we can put that narrative to bed of, oh, he needed Durant to win multiple titles. And it's like, no, that's not the case. Um, just, again, Think about the sport of basketball. Think about the name basketball. If Steph's the greatest shooter ever, he's got to be top 10. It's got to be. He's one of the best at putting the ball into the basket. Uh, yeah, look, I'm right there with you. I think when I was making my list, I think the one guy that no one like wants to talk about but kind of has to is Wilt. Uh, just because yeah, you look at the numbers put, and you thank you. It's you, a no mission on my part. Yeah, no, but you you look at his numbers and you say, man, you know, what, what do I do with this? This is almost like, um, you know, you were mentioning Madden earlier. This is almost like Madden on rookie level. You know what I mean? Kind of numbers that he's putting out there. Um, so he's always in consideration for me personally. I still have Kobe ahead of Steph. Maybe we can have that conversation if he wins a fifth title. But still, it's one of those um, hypotheticals, right? Fourth quarter tie game. You can have one player for the next 12 minutes. I'm probably taking Kobe Bryant in that situation, yeah. probably over Steph. And then the other guy that you mentioned, I'm so happy that you did, was I thought the world of Akeem Olajuwon. I really did. He's a fantastic player, great defensive player, really a 
he was a dancer in a world of lumbering centers in the 90s and he had five six seven eight moves right he had the he had the jimmy duggan shake and bake basically you know what i mean and he was a player that i always think kind of gets overshadowed maybe because i don't know what what do you think it is about akeem do you think it was because of the 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 way that his his career kind of came to an abrupt halt a little bit where he kind of woke up one day and wasn't good anymore or was he just overshadowed because Jordan won six titles in the 90s and he just there squeezed in the two in the middle? Yeah. You, you, the, the latter half. He's playing in the same era as MJ. Yeah. I mean, think yeah. about how many players MJ prevented from winning a title. And MJ had to go and retire and pursue his baseball career. And I know his father died and everything too. But Akeem didn't win until MJ left. But what you know imagine a world where mj doesn't exist or i don't know if len bias ends up living too how differently we remember nba history and so mm. it's you know he's in the same draft as mj but it's so funny because sam bowie's always you know the player that's pointed to where the blazers drafted him at number two instead of jordan but when akim olajuwon got drafted at number one no one questions that at all and it's because he was a tremendous player and honestly too it was the the soccer background it always cracks me up, though, too, when Akeem retired and you have all of these modern bigs, like you read the headline of like Dwight Howard's going to the Akeem Olajuwon camp this oh, offseason yeah. to get he his worked footwork with down. He worked with the yeah, dream in the offseason. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the only guy who really, really mastered the footwork on the same level was Kobe Bryant uh, mm. in the turnaround game and you know how you can preserve your career and play differently when you don't quite have that same burst. Maybe you lose a half step in the latter half of your career, and it's more of a mental game. But the dream shake, man, come on. I mean. Unbelievable. Yeah. No, and, and we're mentioning, I think, Akeem, Kobe, and Michael Jordan, maybe three of the greatest post-up players of all time, you know, when you really start no. to kind of break it down. Uh, let's move over to the diamond real quick. Uh, in your opinion right now, best team in Major League Baseball besides the Yankees or Dodgers? You cannot pick either of those. Who is coming up right on the rear there in bronze? I would have gone with the Atlanta Braves because they had won 14 in a row, but yeah. they dropped two, three to our beloved Chicago Cubs. So I will go with the New York Mets right now, and they are continuing to have success despite the fact that Jacob deGrom is injured, Max Scherzer is injured, Tyler McGill as well. I believe I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, but I'll go with the New York Mets right now. But the Yankees right now, I mean, like I flip on Sports Center and it's just like, oh, another home run. And they also lead the league in ERA as well. So it's just like home runs, ERA, Yankees are dominating. And they like are the first to get to 50 wins in however many games. And they're close to the record there. It's like, I definitely think where it's like, all right, this finally has to be the season where the Yankees get it done because they've been close for so many years now. But it's an 162-game season, so we'll see. There's still a lot of time between now and then, but right now the Yankees look really, really good, and that's probably who I would go with to win the World Series. A lot can happen between now and then. A lot can happen with injuries, too, with players that like an Aaron Judge, like a, a Stan, Giancarlo mm -hmm. Stanton. They've struggled to stay healthy in the past, so we'll see what ends up happening, but right now it's the Yankees versus everyone else. Yeah, their one through five is terrifying. <laughs> it's absolutely Just terrifying, sick. and I, I guess – it is going to be really interesting, as it is every single baseball season. But, you know, there's going to be a huge arms race coming. And, Joey, I have know, a question for you. I have a question for you about the Yankees. Yeah, please. So you, you get signed to their starting staff, and I see you've got some nice facial hair. Are you are you going full trim to be, you know, be in line with the Yankee way and getting a haircut and everything? Are you keeping the facial hair? Are you going to go rogue? 
Uh, well, so look, I mean, Mark, they're paying me good money. They're putting cable on the table for me right now. I get all the uh, I get all the streaming services that I want thanks to the Yankees paying my paying my bills. So I probably start the process of filling out forms. Uh, I go all the way down to the office and I begin the mustache process, <laughs> which I don't think is allowed right away. I think you actually have to go through several channels, but I will go through the mustache process. Right. And uh, dare I say, if I got a ton of cash, I could probably afford some of that mustache mustache oil, right? And maybe I could bring back Raleigh fingers or something along those lines. Um, have you ever been a facial hair guy in your life, or is this no, not uh, no. not, not your I, bag? Huh? I could do it, in all honesty, too. Maybe it's just because I've worked in TV newsrooms where it's like by and large, and that's not to say exceptions don't exist, but most broadcasters are clean shaven, so that's just how I've always been clean cut American look, but um, man, you mentioned the Yankees too, getting back on track here a little bit. Like it, it breaks my heart a little bit. I'm glad he's having success, but like, man, I miss Anthony Rizzo in a Cubs uniform. I'm glad he's oh doing God. his thing for the Bronx bombers, but uh, I miss him so much in Chicago. There is, there's a lot that we don't know, right. About the breakup between Rizzo and the Cubs. There's a lot there that we don't give understand. me the cliff. Give me the cliff notes. Give me the cliff notes. What do you? Okay, so cliff notes is obviously as we know, no, number forty-four is Mr. Cub, the leader on the team, the guy who was there mm -hmm. first, the guy that basically is the front-facing person of every single interaction and every single uh, moment that the Cubs had all the way up to them winning the World Series. He's got the baseball. He puts it in his back pocket. Uh, clearly, you know they wanted to do a deal with him. I think in 2018, 2019. And I think he wanted Goldschmidt money, which was like 120 million, 130 million. I think the Cubs probably said no. I think my guess is it was probably around 100 million. Um, and then you know he started having back problems, and every single year, and it's coming up actually right around this time. This is the annual uh, Rizzo has a back problem season around mid June, where they got to sit him down for about 10 days and see how he comes back. And then he's always kind of a gamer. The news was beginning of last year before they did the fire sale, they offered him five for 70. And he said, that's a slap in the face. I'm not mm -hmm. signing anything like that. And you know what? Some Cubs fans at the time, including myself, said, you know what? Kind of is a little bit of a slap in the face. You probably give uh, you probably give the Riz, you know, five for 90 or something along those lines. Plays out the year. What kind of deal does he sign with the Yankees this year? He signs for 16 a year. It's the same deal, but it's short term. They both screwed each other, Mark. He didn't get the long-term, you know, security that he wanted. He doesn't. The Cubs fans don't get a chance to keep Anthony Rizzo on the team. Honestly, of all the of all the guys, if you're gonna suck right now and build up the next great Cubs team, you do keep that one guy like around, right? You keep the one dude on the bench that you know just oh. he's been here since the beginning. He sees it through. He's he's coming out on the very end. I don't know. Maybe that's a hockey vibe or whatever. And look, I mean, he's playing with that short porch in New York. I think he does have an opt out after this year. But this mm -hmm. thing got screwed up in ways that I don't think come down to dollars and cents. I think it's more than that. Do you know who Malcolm Gladwell is, Joey? I do. Okay, we need to get you on a revisionist history episode, Anthony Rizzo edition of Malcolm Gladwell's podcast because that was excellent. <laughs> Thanks, man. I mean, I got. I think. I think you mentioned the '85 Bears earlier. I think the 2016 Cubs, 10 or 15 years from now, is going to make a hell of a documentary. Absolutely. And like, I think you could probably argue maybe they should have won one more, but I look at the Joe Madden era and I think back to like conversations I'd have with my friends in high school. And like, at the time it was like, man, could Starlin Castro just 
not swing at everything, take some pitches and draw some walks to improve his on base percentage. Or like, is Jess Samarja going to turn into an ace? And it's like, no idiot. Like he has a better chance of turning into a star receiver in the NFL. Like it's not to say he wasn't a good pitcher, but he never had a war above three as a starting pitcher. And we're debating of whether he was supposed to be the ace. And so like, I look at that world series run and I believe it was Tom Verducci wrote the Cubs way great book about how they assembled the world series roster. There was not a single player that was a member of the organization five years before they won. So in 2011, I believe Rizzo was like the first one. He was one of the corner pieces of that. So it can happen a lot more quickly than you think in baseball, but you have to figure out what your advantages are. Uh, you know, obviously the money ball style in terms of what Billy Bean did, what the Red Sox did, but uh, Theo Epstein, I mean, does he want to go to another sport? What does he want to do? He's still out there. Um, I mean, he'll never have to buy a beer in either Boston or Chicago, but like that was something where it's like, I was thinking where it's like, hmm, who could the Chicago Bears hire as a general manager? I'm like, do you want to go way outside of the box to someone who just thinks differently? Yeah, that was. That I, was I mean, may, maybe I'm thinking, maybe um, I'm talking crazy here, Joey. But well, the the rumor is that Theo likes the job that he has right now, which is fixing the game of baseball. And eventually, he does want to be an owner. I guess he has a lot of friends and ties to a lot of groups that help set up uh, partnership deals to put money together to make bids for an actual team. And then maybe he wants to own his own team one day. I wouldn't mind him being MLB commissioner, to be perfectly honest with sure. you. Sure. And sure. you're totally you're totally right though. The only thing that I'll say, and I feel it right now, deep in my bones, is that it's really hard to win a World Series with just kids. The Cubs, by and large, kind of did it along those lines with that type of core, and then obviously obviously going out for the Lester's of the world, hitting lightning in a bottle with Jake Arrieta, trading for Aroldis Chapman. The problem was in those subsequent years, not supplementing those players and thinking that your core was just going to get better, when unfortunately that core just got stagnant. You know, they never did what they promised of we're going to be in the mix for Bryce Harper. We're going to be in the mix for a Manny Machado. Um, we were going to be, we weren't even in the mix for a Nick Castellanos and we had him on our team and we let him walk, you know? So that's kind of where that is. Um, a couple more lightning rounds is, uh, or, or actually one more lightning round real quick. And then All I right. want to talk All to you right. about summer before we get out of here. Um, right. This is not um, intended to get into uh, areas that we don't know. We're only just reading the information that we have, but I found this to be really interesting, and I just want to get your opinion on it. I was at a pool party this weekend uh, with some friends that I haven't seen in a long time, and uh, the young woman there, she is a huge Browns fan, and her husband is a huge Steelers fan. And I was sitting there talking to her, and look, I've had conversations with her before. She is a huge – she knows her stuff, right? She watches the game. This isn't just some sort of casual fan. And she laid out a very compelling case about how she no longer is going to be a Browns fan. Um, she is leaving the Browns. And, you know, we hear that as a story. And as a sports cynic, sometimes you say to yourself, well, is that really going to happen? Or are they going to turn the TV on on Sundays? She's leaving and she is not coming back. Um, and she's not coming back. Probably, she said, until probably they change the people upstairs too as well beyond just maybe Deshaun Watson in general. Do you think at this point right now, do you think Deshaun Watson plays a single down this year for the Cleveland Browns? Yeah, let's keep this to football and let's not to underscore the seriousness of the allegations that the women have against Watson. I don't think that there's any way, right? Like, and here's how I think about this. And I hate doing the apples and oranges comparison, but like, what was it? Calvin Ridley gets suspended for gambling a few thousand dollars uh, mm -hmm. on his own team when he's not playing. 
and it's like chump change relative to what his salary is and he gets however many games like I just don't see that there's any other way considering all of the great reporting that's been out there on the allegations against Watson too so we'll end up seeing what happens he just settled with 20 out of the 24 cases the woman who made the initial claims against him is not one of the cases that got settled but like the Browns went all in on a quarterback and they were not the only organization, which is something that I want to say that's very important. When a Texas grand jury to decide not to pursue criminal charges against Watson, there were several other teams. And I'm talking the saints, the Falcons, the Carolina Panthers that all lined up and wanted to trade for Watson. The reason why he went to Cleveland is they offered him the most guaranteed money, five years, $230 million guaranteed most in NFL history. So when they introduce him earlier this year and they're at the news conference, head coach Kevin Stefanski's there, general manager Andrew Barry's there, who I think very highly of. The Haslam family, the owner, Jimmy and D. Haslam, were in Europe. They do, to their credit, decide to hold a separate news conference, but they say, We did our due diligence here. When you don't talk to a single one of the women, when there are now reports out there at the New York Times that he hired at least 66 different women. And now that the NFL is part of these suits as well, and I don't blame them for adding the NFL on because I go back to the Forbes valuation. The Texans are valued at $3.8 billion, and that's billion with a B, to where they were providing, at least for some of the circumstances, the athletic club that Watson used and potentially even non-disclosure agreements that he used in the agreements of the women that he hired. Like, it's just not a good look. And to say that the Browns went all in on this, if he doesn't play this upcoming season, and then it'll be now then two years where he hasn't played it down. um, We'll see what ends up happening and look too, like more reports could end up coming out between now and the start of the 2022 season, which is why I think the NFL is taking its time with its own investigation. It's because it's not over. It's not over, Mark. Yep. If they say, hey, we're going to decide to suspend Watson for four games or eight games, and additional information comes out that we don't know publicly yet, it's going to be what already looks absolutely horrible look even worse. And I'll leave it at that. I hope he doesn't play a single down. And yeah, you know, you did a great job of, of, of laying out where we are and where we could possibly be going with this. But I, I found it to be, yeah, please hop in. Let, let me say one other thing too. And I'm going to put my reporter hat on here too. The reason why the settlement is very important with the 20 out of the 24 is, is if this ends up going to trial, the case would not be heard until 2023 after this upcoming season is over. Now, one other point I want to bring out as well, because these are civil matters They're seeking monetary damage. It's not a criminal complaint. The burden of proof in a civil case is much less than that of a criminal case. In a criminal case, to find someone guilty, it has to be beyond a reasonable doubt. In a civil case, it has to be just one scintilla over 50% to where you think that the person did it. So again, I'll put my reporter hat on there too. It's important to lay that out for anyone who wants to know more about this case. But again, I don't want to come to any conclusions, though, either, Joey, because the information has been so fluid, again, with the great reporting that's been done to when the New York Times gets involved. It's not the local papers. It's not the local outlets. It's not ESPN. When 9 million people read the New York Times every day, when it's the New York Times or the Washington Post getting involved, 
you're talking about another caliber of the seriousness of the allegations against Watson. So there you go. Yeah, and and if I can uh, keep it to sports for just my final thought about why I wanted to ask you about this was, look, man, I, I've been out here in California for 12 years now. I've never uh, swayed from uh, my Chicago teams, right? I've never adopted a new team in different cities, and people decide to do that all the time. And I, I have no problem with that, to be honest with you. I just never have personally. And just kind of hearing her talk about why this was so important to her, and she's a lifelong Browns fan, it does, it does really make you think, and look, I'm not trying to encourage people to fantasize about the most morbid things on the planet, but fandom has limits. And it made me kind of think about that a little bit too as well. And I know we get so wrapped up, and look, man, we dive in headfirst into our stuff every week, and we want um, the teams to win, and we want to cover teams fairly and everything, but it is a really interesting case of people making decisions and realizing that fandom does have limits. And there are certain things that uh, when an organization goes about it in a particular way or brings in a certain player, uh, the fan has the choice to walk away. And I think there are actual real Browns fans that are deciding to walk away from their team uh, because of this move. And, um, and, I don't, and I don't even know how to characterize it. I just find it to be something that uh, – I mean, I, I find it to be something empowering for the fan. But also something that really kind of makes me think as someone who's such a diehard Chicago sports fan, right? And we've seen, we've seen many people that have uh, run afoul of the law um, in other teams and in other circumstances. This one just seems to be fairly overwhelming. Um, and I'm going to say it. Pretty creepy. Uh, it, it's a pretty, it's a pretty cre creepy situation. And to put it into uh, you know, the words of you know you have to decide now whether to cheer for the team – uh, that you've loved your whole life, I think is that is is where we're probably at a bridge too far on this. So I'm not quite sure uh, where it goes from there, but I do find it very interesting. And anyone, if you're a Browns fan, feels the same way as my friend, um, I commend you for it. And I hope maybe one day you can come back and root for the team that you grew up loving. Um, you know, we're going to get to a final topic here. We're going to try and lighten it up just a little bit. I did really want to get your perspective on that. So I do appreciate you doing that. Um, but it is the summertime, man. It's the middle of June. Uh, there's no football. Uh, we are quite exactly at like you know the, the the final stretch of the baseball season. We do have the NBA draft coming up, but NBA is over somehow, some way. The Stanley Cup Finals are still going, um, but uh, let's get it. Let's do a little get to know Mark Bergen here before we get out of here, real quick. Um, All just right. Wanna, I want to give it a little bit of uh, the vibe of your summer favorites. So uh, Mark Bergen's summer favorites. Let's just start with uh, summer food right now. When you think of summer. You know, what is on your checklist? What is something that I got to have that? Beef kebabs. I have my own marinade, Italian dressing, a little red wine vinegar, some steak seasoning. Let that marinate in the fridge 12 hours, 24 hours. If you want to go crazy, 36 or 48, throw that baby on the grill. And I'll tell you what, every person I've ever made for it, it's just like, I know I've gotten older. When I was a kid, I used to hate vegetables. The onions are like my favorite part on the beef kebabs now. Yes. But the beef kebabs, I'm there, man. Beef kebabs, grill, maybe some pool action outside, nice warm summer day, aviator shades on, let's ride. A thick, a thick uh, sun, uh, sun lotion on the nose, as as we do yeah. as we get older, let's we get crazy about it. Yeah, um, yeah. I've, no I've noticed a little bit on uh, on your socials. Um, you enjoy getting involved with food. Has this always been like this, or is it, have you gotten a little bit older? It's become kind of a an, a, an hobby for you, um, because honestly, it looks pretty good on, on the on the on the pics that you post. 
if you'd have told me like as a teenager that I would be a foodie later on in life, I'd have thought you were out of your skull because I used to be the pickiest eater. They say your taste buds change every seven years, but like one of my like life goals is to find the best brunch restaurant in the world. And so like, I've been all over the country. I could give you a power rankings of a few, but uh, in Chicago, do you have a top three? What's your top three brunch cities? Well, cities, let, let me give you, let me give or you individual locations. Uh, yeah, I gotcha. So my all time number one, oh man, see, this is hard. The first one no that comes to mind, Joey, the first, yeah. the first one that comes to mind is there's a place in East Atlanta called sun in my belly. It's almost in Decatur, but it's in Atlanta and they have these scrambled eggs and the bacon presentation is worth going to this place alone. They've got yeah. the wooden clips to let the juices drip down and they've got the wooden clips all the way across sun in my belly in Atlanta, uh, off the Chicago river. I used to like going to when, when my family still lived there and I'm blanking on the place now too. Uh, river roast river. Oh, roast. Yeah. 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 They yeah. have an excellent brunch game. You can order a half chicken. They'll come out, they'll carve it for you. There's a jazz trio that'll play. You're right on the water, go on a nice, warm, sunny day. <laughs> So, listen, some insight, some knowledge for your Chicago folks. So those are two places that come to mind. I could give you like a top five of places. I, I'll get, you know what? I'll give you my all-time favorite. This is my all-time favorite. I was in Memphis, Tennessee. Oh, now here we go. Here we go now. So I, I'm with a date in Memphis. This was actually, I was back in college. We were there for a formal. And we get to a place called the Majestic Grill. And it's not on Beale Street, but it's off Beale Street. It's a Saturday morning. And let me just put it this way, Joey, like the night before we got after it, like to where we're waking up the next day and like we're in pain. And that Saturday morning is for survival for not just the day, but the rest of the weekend. So we show up to Majestic Grill and they tell us it's going to be an hour wait. And I'm like, man, I don't know Memphis at all. And I'm like, by the time we go somewhere else, like it's going to probably be about an hour anyways, let's stick it out. I'm dressed to the nine. So is my date. I'm wearing my sport jacket. Go back up to the server booth. There was a different surfer though. He goes, oh, two. And maybe I was being polite. He decides to seat us right away, which my date was furious about because they, they told her an hour. They seated me right away when I said, hey, we're going to stick it out. So we go and we eat a delicious meal at Majestic Grill in Memphis, Tennessee. A year later, uh, this, was, this was two years later. Kobe Bryant's final tour in the NBA. He's doing his final interview with ESPN's Ramona Shelburne. And there's an old article. You can look this up online. They're on the road deciding to do the interview and they do the interview in Memphis. And where did they go do this interview? The Majestic Grill in Memphis, Tennessee. So if it's good enough for Kobe, it's good enough for me. That's my number one brunch spot in the world. Uh, I love that. That kind of sounds like uh, when I would work in the hospitality game, I definitely did that all the time. If some, if two people seemed... Uh, really chill and normal or sincere, um, I would definitely have them skip the line and just be like, no, just, just sit down. Just sit I, down I don't know what it was. And, and honestly, it made me happy because my date was so mad about it. And I'm just like, hey, man, I like to think I have the gift of gab. Halfway on Yelp. <laughs> One star. That's what I'm probably going to do. Uh, a couple more here for you real yeah, quick. Yeah. Um, uh, I, look, I, I've asked this question to some people on the pod this mm-hmm. summer. And look, 
I am a seasonal movie guy, okay? This mm -hmm. is just who I am. In the summertime, I like watching movies that make me either feel like summer, that take place in summer, or I watched in the summertime, same way that I do the fall, the winter. Halloween, I watch Halloween movies. I'm just that kind of guy. So for you, you know, what is your quintessential summer movie or maybe a movie every single summer you're like, I got to get that in, I got to watch that? All right, so I'm going to go with the blockbusters that come out in the summer because honestly, I know when we were talking a little bit before the show, I was like, what does he mean by this? I'm going to go with two. I'll start with Fast Five, and yes. that was oh, the that first. Was, it's kind of the best one. It's kind of the best one. That's the first one with The Rock, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, so The Rock yeah, joins the, the crew, the and, you get, and you get a head-to-head -head battle between Vin Diesel and The Rock, two people who actually loathe each other. They hate each other in real life, but – is I that mean, the one where he rips his arm? He rips the cast off of his no, arms, or no, was that no, I six? That, yeah, okay. I believe that's six. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So no, that's the one where they're flying through the the favela and they're trying to they're running over the rooftops and then uh, they have to steal the bank safe at the very end as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a great yeah. One. It's so good. It's that movie is electric. So Fast Five, and and gosh, honestly, I could do a whole podcast just talking about that series, but. Number one, and this would be my all-time favorite movie that I have ever seen, all-time favorite movie theater experience, because this was back in the day they used to do the midnight premieres, The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight. So wait, tell me, your. did you see it at midnight? What's your midnight premiere, Dark Knight? Sorry, because I have one too as well. Uh, tell it, tell it just real quick. Okay, so we're in the theater and in the truck flip scene, which Wayne Towers, the Chicago Board of Trade, you know, on LaSalle Street, I used to walk by it every day for back-to-back -back summers, Joey, working in the city as an intern, like that's, that's home for me. So the Chicago in me appreciates that the chase scenes through lower Wacker, like, it's just like, I know where all these places are because again, that's home for me. The truck flip scene where commissioner Gordon comes out and they arrest the Joker, the theater that I was in, mm -hmm. it was like a sporting event. There was me, a standing ovation in the theater and i've seen a ton of movies before i've never had a movie theater experience like that where the crowd watching it just absolutely lost us it was pure pandemonium i'll never forget that that movie i didn't want it to end it is my favorite like i'm cool dying knowing that that'll be my favorite movie theater experience i have in my life i had dude the same exact thing i think it's probably top two top three greatest uh, movie theater experiences i've ever been in and mine was it was jam-packed Monday night, opening night, when the Joker goes, I want to show you a magic trick, and pops the pencil in there, and then comes over and he pops a pencil into the guy's eye. Dude, it was like it was like as if Bernie Mac did like the, the original Def Comedy Jam or Jordan just hit his 6-3 in the first half because everyone's just like people were like rolling and screaming and laughing. And like it was just so – everyone was so mesmerized by his performance and how great the movie was. And it was just, it was an electric movie theater experience. And my final one on this is I'm standing in line to go into Batman and I have a coworker, tall gentleman, six, four, um, beautiful, sweet, sweet man, but kind of a little bit of an awkward dude. And we're standing in line to go and he shows up as other people did at the time in a Batman costume. He's got the Batman cowl and the cape on and the shirt. And he walks over and we're standing in line and we're like, Oh, Hey, did you see in the movie? And he goes, no, sold out and i go okay so wait a second you went to the midnight opening of batman you didn't get tickets in advance and he goes no i did it so we go see the movie we see him the next day at work dude dude went and saw mama mia opening night in a batman costume 
because <laughs> he couldn't go home. Just... They didn't let him in? No, they didn't let him in. He couldn't get a ticket, so he's like, screw it. I got to go see a movie. So, oh, like, dressed man. as Batman, he's sitting watching Mamma Mia, and I just can't get that. I can't get that image. I feel like that's something that would happen to, like, George Costanza or Kramer in Seinfeld. That's unbelievable. It makes me laugh on my darkest days. Uh, and then my final one for you is, uh, you know, summer music, summer jams. There's always a song of the summer. Uh, along at some point. I know Jack Carlo just came out with a new album, but regardless of pop or whatever it is, when you're getting in your car, when you're driving to work, what are you listening to right now? What's getting you in the summer vibes? What, what gets you going? Well, they say that house music is a spiritual thing, and I'm a product of having gone to Lollapalooza every summer growing up. I went four years in a row. I've been five times total. So I love my house music. Uh, right now, Big Gigantic has a new album out and their saxophone electric duo some blues some funk some jazz it's phenomenal check them out big gigantic but i used to listen to a lot of british radio actually joey because uh, when i worked in the mornings they're five or six hours ahead so their morning shows would be on when i would get to work when i used to work mornings in tv so my taste in music is i mean listen the two artists i've seen the most I've seen two chains the most. Thomas Rhett's number two. So my musical spectrum is everywhere. I love that. Is everywhere. So the only music I refuse to listen to is like screamo metal, like <sighs> into the microphone. Other than that, I mean, I, I've seen, I've seen it all. So um, as long as it has some rhythm, like listen, I, I like country music. I like rock. I love grew up on rap. I, I'm a product too of watching Carson Daly on TRL every day when you couldn't just go on YouTube and you have to see what the top 10 countdown is. So is it going to be in sync? Is it going to be the Backstreet Boys? Is it going to be Britney Spears? No, Eminem? it's going to be Nookie, it, baby, until someone knocks Nookie uh, off. Fistic, all right, it's going right. to be, it's going to be number one. This is great, man. I'm learning. That. I'm learning a lot. I'm learning a lot, and uh, and I love that. I love the wide spectrum mu of music that you enjoy. Oh yeah, oh um, yeah. And that's a result of Lala, because I would go, and there's always a down period. This was back when it was a three day festival, yep. and you would go, and you'd you'd see have artists that you'd want to see, but at some point during the day, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have heard of anyone. So it's like, all right, let's just go check out a stage, and you end up becoming a fan of someone else's music who you otherwise wouldn't have paid to see. Joey, I, I have two questions for you. I know this yes. is your show, but two. No, 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 I want fire, them. I two. No, I want them. All right, so I have my answer for this, and I'll go after you do. The next Chicago team to win a championship is. Um. <laughs> you would think it's the White Sox. You would think it's the White Sox. Is that your it's answer? It's got to. No, it's got to be this. I think it's. I think it's got to be the Chicago Bears. I love that. Okay, okay. I'm gonna go yeah. in a different direction. How about Chicago Sky repeat? I'm gonna cheat. I'm gonna oh, go with the oh, Chicago dude, I, that's a great one, dude. Like, <laughs> Kalea, Kalea Copper's the the offensive player of the week, man. She, she's killing it. Everyone so thought I'm gonna she cheat. repeat her performance in the finals. She did. Yeah. No, that's no. A great I, honestly, I don't want. They, they they were fun to watch. In all honesty, and like I was finding myself get into it. And I'm like, oh, Chance the Rapper sitting courtside. Yeah. This is pretty cool. So that's okay. a, that's a la that's a last dance season for you right there too, because that team's getting broken up after this year. So yeah, I'm, I'm rooting yeah. for this guy for sure. I have one more for you. Tomorrow night's the NBA draft. I have no idea when you plan to release this episode, but either way, it's going to be funny. 
if you're the Orlando Magic, I'm not going to ask you who you think the top pick will be, but if you had the top pick, who are you taking at number one? Uh, great question. Uh, we're probably going to release this on Friday just after the NBA draft. So let's just see if I'm right on this one. For the, If you're the Orlando Magic, I think you're doing everything that you possibly can to let everyone know that you're taking Chet Holmgren, and then you're going to try and trade that pick. Because at the end of the day, if you trade the pick and you go to two or three, there's a world where Paolo and Jabari and some more pieces are good for the Orlando Magic in the world. But look, have we not learned this? Mark, that when there are some, there's someone out there that has skills that we find to be special, but we don't know exactly how to place them with a particular NBA comp or maybe a, a particular role or fit on the, on the modern NBA scale right now, you have to take that guy. I'm not saying he's like a Luka Doncic, but this feels like a little bit like a Doncic situation of, yeah, he's got all this and that or whatever, but we're worried about – you know, for Luca was transitioned to the Euro game. Is he going to stay in shape? Um, you know, he's very young right now. You know, let's see. Can he, you know, can he really lead a team? And I think some of the Chet stuff, in my opinion, is all just the physicality of will he hold up? Will he fill out? And look, I, if I'm an owner, I'm willing to take that chance. I mean, I, I feel like he's got wow. that two-way skill. Yeah. You know, I mean, where are you, man? I mean, are you Apollo guy? I mean, you are. You are in the area, so are you? Uh, are you Banchero or Boston number one? No, no, I'm Jabari, and I, yeah. it's like that's to me. It's like I hear what you're saying. Like we're we're star searching, right? Like it. That's the name of the it's, game. It's, is the it's star lottery? Searching. It's lottery ticket, dude. Yeah, and the Bulls do this so, every year where they take Kirk Heinrich at six, or Kirk Heinrich at six or seven instead of maybe being like you know who is the next great star. So it's like I get that you know, who's safe and everything. And so I, I, I understand the logic with Chet, but it's just like the physicality of the league. And like, I know he'll put on some weight, but it's just like, it's just like what I see with my eyes. And I think about like when KD was coming into the league and I'm not saying Chet's KD, I'm not trying to compare them at all, but like he'd consistently get pushed off his spot. Maybe, maybe Chet can do that and won't be affected by that as much in the modern NBA. And maybe I'm thinking about it from a, too old school standpoint of like when the Shaquille O'Neal's and the Patrick Ewing's and the Kim Olajuwon's and the David Robinson's roam the paint. But I'm like, mm. you're seven foot plus and not even 200 pounds. Like, look, man, invite me over and I'll cook you some of my beef kebabs. And the beef kebabs? There. Yeah, we'll take you, you to know? Majestic Grill then in the morning, then we'll double you up here. And just real quick um, to that point though, and this is probably – you're bringing up something really interesting and something to monitor, right, where I think of – also, I think of Tyson Chandler. And when Tyson Chandler came into the league, no one thought that he was going to be able to hang around because he was as skinny as a beanpole, right? Mm -hmm. And what ended up happening, the Chicago Bulls actually ended up giving up on Tyson Chandler after about three or four years because, oh, God forbid, he was still 21 or 22, but he hadn't really gotten filled out into his full body and then went out to have a very solid career in the paint for the Dallas Mavericks and all the other teams that he bounced around. The Hornets is another one, too, that I remember. So I guess the question with a guy like Chet Holmgren is, would Matt, would the Magic and would the Magic fans have the time and maybe the patience to let him actually get to 24 and 25 and maybe not realize that we haven't seen the fully formed Chet Holmgren yet because everyone needs to produce right now, and if they don't produce right now, they're a bust. Maybe that's what I would probably be worried about for a guy like Chet Holmgren. Because we see that stuff all the time where a guy four or five years in actually becomes the player they're supposed to be and maybe not the player that they got drafted. Andrew Wiggins. 
look what Andrew Wiggins is finally doing, and God forbid, oh, what is it? Oh, yeah, he's in his prime. You know what I mean? So I think we cash out on guys maybe a little bit too early, and I'm wondering if that's going to be a thing for Chet Holmgren. Uh, we got we got to get you out of here, man. I had way too much fun. Uh, this is Mark Bergen here on Believe in, from Believe in Steelers and WRAL.com. Coming at us live from North Carolina, man. Mark, man, so great to see you, man. It's been such a pleasure becoming a friend. I consider you a friend over the last year or so. So happy to have you on the pod, man. Throw out your socials, anything that you want to plug, because anyone listening right now, you guys definitely have to check out Mark's content. Appreciate that, Joey. And thank you so much for having me. It means the world. You can check me out on social media at MD Bergen. That's M-D-B-E-R-G-I-N. Twitter, Instagram, you check me out there. Uh, Joey, yeah, th- this was overdue, man, in all honesty, I too. I appreciate the opportunity to come on because it's like I haven't been back home. I haven't been back in in the shy, summertime shy. It's been too long, so this was a lot of fun for me. Going back, reminiscing, going back down on memory lane. Like, look, man, like Chicago will always be my home, so thank you for the opportunity to come on your show. It's been a pleasure. Anytime, man. We're going to do it again. Uh, we're going to do it again somewhere down the road. I promise that very much. Today's episode was presented by BetOnline.ag. 50% welcome bonus in your first deposit when you go to BetOnline.ag. Also, Baseball Lifestyle 101. I am partnering with them right now all summer long. If you go to BL101.com, you get 10% all of their merchandise. If you use promo code Joey Sports Guy, uh, really fantastic company. Really cool shirts. If you're into baseball, make sure you check that out. Thank you so much for checking out this pod. We'll be back with more next week. Until then, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. And remember, when in doubt, always bet on Chicago. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.